You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house has sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. The word of the Lord. hand and one of the guys will get you one and get it to you. You will need this packet before the sermon is completed today. All right? This is a a really wonderful time for Life Church. Um, This morning we're kicking off. um, By the way, all of you who have been in Life Church in the past and you came home for the holidays and you're just here for a couple of weeks, if we haven't gotten to just really love on you and tell you how much we appreciate you, uh, please know that that is the case. And there are several of you kind of scattered here. Uh, It's really nice to have you since so many people left us for the holidays. You came in and filled in some of the seats here. Uh, But we're just just glad you're here. And it's so good to see you all again. And uh, I know a number of you, you've got got weddings about to happen uh, or in the future and you got other plans and things going on. We love hearing about that. We know that this is a busy time this holiday, uh, but hopefully we can connect with you uh, on some level. So welcome back home. We're glad to have you uh, with us today. Uh, this morning we're going to kick off what we are calling 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Um, the purpose of this is to seek God, of course, 
uh, but specifically to seek God for direction. We really want to hear from God. Um, we're calling this time Vision 2020, His Mission, Our Future. And what we mean by that is we're seeking God specifically for 2015, uh, for the now, for what we need to be doing right now uh, for God in our neighborhood, in our city and region, uh, in in this nation as a whole, uh, and around the world. We want to see a global impact, and we're not too small to do that. We've done that in the past. We have a village in Africa, which uh, right now has water, and a year ago it didn't have water, Uh, and this church has raised literally tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of dollars to be able to do that, and you've given sacrificially uh, for children to have water, and uh, it's it's an amazing thing. So we we do not see ourselves small, but we see our our God big, Um, and so we believe that he can use us to do great things. Um, So what we want to do is we want to inquire of the Lord. We want to ask God what, what it is that we need to be doing, not only for 2015, but we also want God to give us some long range strategies and plans as to what we are to do as a church uh, for the next five years. So this is why 2020, up through 20, uh, the year 2020, we want to be able uh, to get uh, a good sense of what God is asking of us. These are the most turbulent times that the American people have ever lived in. Uh, this is the most critical time for the church to arise and shine than ever before. This is the most opportune time for us to be God's people, God's servants, God's agents, if you will, God's voice in the earth. And it's very necessary for the church to rise up in the day in which we are living in. And so we are seeing this as very, very crucial for us, okay? We want very much to be on mission for God, um, planning our future in such a way that we are accomplishing uh, the purposes for God, not only in our lives individually, but also corporately as Life Church. So today's message uh, um, and other, spa- uh, other aspects of the, the, the time of seeking and hearing from the Lord, uh, we're going to base them out of the book of Nehemiah, where uh, Andrew just landed you a few moments ago. Um, so we're going to reference Nehemiah throughout this time. So you'll not only hear about Nehemiah today, but you'll hear about him some other times as we go forward. Nehemiah is one, I think, one of the greatest characters in the Old Testament, uh, perhaps not as well known as some of the other major prophets, but, but absolutely uh, uh, an integral part of the history of, of Israel, and I think just had a great, great impact on the nation and was really, really used of God. And so he's a wonderful beginning place for us to look at as we are seeking the Lord. I want to give you a little assignment here as we get started. And, and at the beginning of this message today, I want you to, to sort of read a very, what I would call a very fabulous trilogy in the Old Testament. And what I'd like for you to do is as we're going through this time of prayer and fasting and seeking God, is that you would begin in the book of Esther and you would read Esther. And this is where you're going to discover um, how that God first really began to, to, to move in the midst of Israel's captivity. He raised up Esther. She was a young Jewish maiden. Uh, she came uh, to the throne, if you will, uh, as, as the wife of the king of Persia. Uh, it was her husband who is uh, Artaxerxes uh, in the opening chapters of Nehemiah that, that uh, you just heard from. Uh, and then after you read Esther, then go back into the book of Ezra and read in Ezra, which uh, the Hebrew Bible kind of links Ezra and Nehemiah and, and kind of makes them into the same book. Uh, but when you're finished with Ezra, then you want to jump right into Nehemiah. 
and here's where you want to really begin to read carefully because I, I think the details and the parallels of this book uh, are going to help you as you are seeking God and you're fasting and, and, and praying and asking God for the future of Life Church. Uh, you're going to get a lot more out of what we're doing right now uh, if you utilize this opportunity to do this homework over the next two or three weeks. Okay, so that's your assignment that you get into God's Word, all right? And then that you will pray. And we have something laid out for you to pray. So uh, before we get into the scriptures fully here, uh, let's look at the rest of our homework for just a moment. So if you'll take your hand out and if you'll take the paper clip off of it, it is just a folded piece of paper. All right. And on the inside, first page is the cover page. And it says there, Life Church, Vision 2020, His Mission, Our Future. This is the beginnings of your personal prayer journal, all right? You're going to have a page for every one of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. This will get you through the first week here, okay? Um, our, our sort of uh, theme verse here is taken from Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. What does this all mean for us today in Life Church? I believe God has a word for us as a church. I believe He has some specific direction for us that we are to take, some ways in which we are to go forward and do ministry and to, to, uh, to obey Him, obey His will. Um, I believe that God wants to speak those things to us so that we understand them and so that as we read them in our hearts, that we will be able to run with what God gives us. How many times have you felt like you heard God say something to you along the way and in the busyness of life you didn't take the time to, to, to write it down or, or, or make note of it and somewhere down the road you recalled it and you went, oh man, I forgot about that. I forgot what God said to me and I, I should have done that. I should have taken care of that. I should have been obedient to that and, and the time has passed. And so it's a moment of regret. And so in these days ahead, we want very much to hear from God because by faith we believe God wants to speak to us. And so we need to be writing these things down so that we are able to, to, to put this all together in vision form and then we can all run with it. We can all go with it. All right? And the idea here is that what God speaks to us in His timing, He will bring to pass. All right? And so we want to hold on to it. Okay? So this becomes your personal prayer journal. There's a sheet of paper you pull out for each day uh, of the 21 days. For instance, if you take the cover letter uh, and move that, you'll see the first page, which is today, Sunday, December 28, 2014. Our Scripture for the day is taken from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, which says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Sometime today, we would love for you to still aside a few minutes of your time, reread that particular passage and meditate upon it. And after you've meditated upon it for a few moments, we'd like for you to just drop down and notice the quote at the bottom. It is, we glorify Jesus Christ by making disciples in our neighborhood and beyond. Folks, that is the simple vision of Life Church. 
We want you to be able to meditate upon that as well. And then after you've prayed for a little bit today, we want you to write down whatever impressions God might be speaking to you. And that's why you have the lined paper. So this is your personal prayer journal. It's not for anyone else. It's simply for you. That's why we put it in a folded piece of paper, okay? And so each day, you will take the piece of paper designated for that particular day. You will read the passage of Scripture. You will read the quote that is included. And you will meditate upon those. Folks, those are not your answer, okay? That's not what you write down. Those are just starters, jumpers, if you will, for you to be able to get into a frame of reference so that you can begin to pray and to seek God on that particular day. You're going to do this for a full 21 days while you are fasting in some capacity. Now, I realized when I said prayer and fasting, there were several people whose eyebrows kind of lit up uh, and uh, didn't quite understand. I got some emails over, over the Christmas break. Can you explain fasting to me? What is fasting? Do I have to not eat? Can I eat anything? What can I eat? Can I drink something? Is this going to be too hard for me? I mean, the, the, the questions just started coming and coming and coming. Listen, number one, Life Church is not... Uh, bound by the law. We're not legalistic here, all right? We're not putting a law on you. We're asking you to choose something in your lifestyle that you will give up over the next 21 days. It may be that you give up this item or this particular area of lifestyle for the entire 21 days. You may change it up during the 21 days. Many of you will do food or particular things that you drink like pop, which is a great idea, um, just giving up pop for 21 days. Some of you may maybe give up food as a whole, and you go on a liquid diet, so to speak, all right? Uh, now, keep in mind, if you give up food or drink during this 21 days, but you do not pray and seek the Lord, you have not fasted, you've only dieted, okay? The idea of fasting is that you are before the Lord, and you are saying, God, I value your presence, And your intervention in my life more than I value the things that I use to sustain me. And so I am willing to give up something here to demonstrate to you my willingness and my desire to engage you over these 21 days. And that may be that you give up social media. Some of you have already said you're going to give up television for 21 days. I think that's tremendous, all right? Uh, it is totally up to you and God. Whatever God is speaking to you and, and, and whatever the Spirit um, speaks to you about giving up, give it up, all right? Lay it down for these 21 days and let God take the place of that time or, or that particular uh, piece of your lifestyle. And as you do that, then be open for God speaking to you, all right? So this is the other piece of your homework, that you get into God's Word, that you choose some measure or some means of fasting, and that you begin to pray, and that you are praying every day, and that you are going to journal, that whatever impressions God speaks to you, and some of you, I know, this has been such an ordeal to prepare for this 21 days. Some of you ask me, well, what if God doesn't speak to me? What if I don't hear anything and all my sheets are blank for the whole 21 days? You know what? That's okay. If you've been talking to God, there is something that is going on, and that is a good thing. So if you don't feel like you really get something particular that you want to write down, that is not a loss. That is not a deficit that is not failing that is is not wrong that is not bad or evil 
that you spend 21 days giving up something, saying, God, I love you more than these things, and I'm going to spend my time with you. That is a success right there, all right? But I believe that, that Life Church has a ministry and a calling and, and, and a purpose. And although we've defined it at various times and stages of the life of this church, I believe that we're entering into a season where God really wants us to hear Him clearly and He wants us to have a tremendous impact. I am convinced that Life Church can make a difference and that we can make a difference in this neighborhood, in this city, in the state of South Dakota, in the upper Midwest, all across America and around the world. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't want to stand in this pulpit because that's how great my God is. And I'm pretty convinced that this nation as a whole needs this kind of activity more than anything else right now. And so I believe if other churches will join with us and model this same approach, that together we will see the hand of God move across America. We will see God's hand move across our college campuses. We will see God in our high schools. We will see God in our neighborhoods. We will see God in our workplaces. We will see God in the midst of all of our uh, peripheral relationships that we have, in our business endeavors, whatever, wherever we are. If, if God is moving in our lives, God will be evident in the things that we are doing in the affairs of our lives. And that will make a difference. That will make a change. And so I'm excited here about what God is going to teach us as we are entering into this time, as we dig into the scriptures here. I think we're going to learn things that will help us personally. They'll help us discover principles and, and, and guides by which we can, can move into this time of, of vision, vision casting, of growing. Of, 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 we'll, I think we're going to end up understanding um, a, a critical part of what God is trying to do right now in our lives and in our nation in particular. So I'm challenging you. I'm asking you to do this. You say, well, I'm not a covenant member. I just happen to attend here. Well, great. Then you just happen to get to be a part of what God is doing because you just happen to attend here, okay? Uh, you don't have to be a covenant member to join in, all right? Um, and, and maybe you are a person who is just here for the holidays or you're just here today with family or friends or whatever. I, it doesn't really matter to me. I think that you can join in. I think that you can do this. And if you would like to continue to get the 21-day sheets uh, so that you can continue to utilize those after this week, all you've got to do is call me or ask me and I'll email them or mail them out to you and you can continue to do this. If you just want to take the idea and the concept back to your own church and talk Talk to your pastor or your prayer group leader and say, hey, I like this idea and I think this is something that God can, can, can do amazing things through. Then take it home with you, all right? You don't even have to tell them that you got it at Life Church or that Pastor Bill came up with this because uh, I really didn't. God came up with this. I'm giving you something that I am convinced is what God is asking of us right now. All right. I, I don't I don't just try to create programs and I don't try to make up stuff. There's enough busy work to do with lost people that we don't have to go try to make up something and fill in the holes. There are no holes to fill in. We're busy, all of us. All right. And, and, and the world is lost and dying. And there are unsaved people who are dying and going to hell every day. And so we, we don't have to create something here. I am doing this because I believe that we have heard from God. And that God is calling us to prayer and to fasting. And that we need to do this. Alright? 
So, with that, let me take you into Nehemiah. First of all, let me give you a little history lesson here, okay, out of, out of this particular book. Um, let, me, let me sort of set the historical context for you. In Genesis chapter 12, um, God called Abraham to leave his country and to, and to follow him into another land. And Abraham obeyed, um, and, uh, and he, uh, his descendants multiplied, uh, the Israelites grew, uh, but later they were enslaved uh, in Egypt for over 400 years until God called them out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses, all right? Now, eventually they were allowed to, uh, to enter the land that, that, that God had promised them, Canaan. Hundreds of years passed during that time. Uh, the nation experienced a lot of struggles. There was a lot of uh, faithlessness that was going on. There was a lot of wrestling with God, if you will. The high point of Israel's history came when David, a very godly king, uh, was called to sit on the throne. And for 40 years, David uh, sort of expanded the nation, uh, both in in breadth and influence and in the knowledge of God. David was very influential in helping the people come to a knowledge of God. Uh, But things went downhill after that very, very quickly. uh, After his son, King Solomon, died, Israel was split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom had ten tribes and was referred to as Israel. The southern kingdom had three tribes, uh, excuse me, two tribes, and it was referred to as Judah. All right? Now, because of their disobedience, the Assyrians conquered Israel, and the ten tribes were scattered and became known uh, by some as the ten lost tribes of Israel. All right? Now, even though the southern tribes saw all of this happening to the ten tribes, all right, uh, they continued as well to rebel against God. And in the year 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar had risen up, and the Babylonian army came through, and they captured the Jews, and Jerusalem was destroyed. The walls were knocked down. The temple was burned. It was just great devastation. And the people were deported, and they were forced into slavery once again. So their history had come full circle, and this city of Jerusalem was just left in ruins. Now, this had to have been very, very traumatic. It was an awful thing for the Jews to experience and to endure. They are seeing death, and they're seeing destruction, and they're being forced to leave their homeland. Uh, They're they're going to be traveling by force about a thousand miles into a foreign country. Many of God's prophets predicted during this time, they were predicting that this captivity would happen but also predicting that it would not destroy the nation of Israel, that the nation of Israel would survive, it would continue, all right, and that all of this captivity would eventually end, and the people would be allowed to go back home, all right? Now, God did not forsake his people. He allowed the Persians to take over the Babylonians. And, um, and he moved a king, King Cyrus, in. And, and King Cyrus made a decree to let some of the Jews return. And, and this happened in like three different stages over about a hundred year period. They were allowed to migrate back to Jerusalem. Only to discover that the city was still demolished, it was still desolate, devastated, all right? So, so living there was dangerous, living there was difficult, living there was very sorrowful for these people. Now, after this decree of King Cyrus, about 50,000 Israelites returned to Judah with Zerubbabel. And they began rebuilding the temple. This was a great time, all right? Unfortunately, they got discouraged and they quit. 
And so God sent them the prophet Haggai and also Zechariah. And the intent of these prophets and the intent of God was try to encourage the Israelites to finish the project. All right. Ezra was sent about this time as well. And, and, and Ezra was sent to sort of restore the, the, the spiritual fervor, you know, to ignite the people, to kind of bring revival in, if you will. All right. Finally, Nehemiah tells his story in the 20th year of the reign of Artaxerxes. Now, by now, um, Persia has replaced Babylon as the region's great power, and the Persians are ruling with a very different means of control than, than what was known prior. And, and the commitment of the Persians was this, that they were going to resettle captured people in their native lands. Uh, so conquered people, like the Israelites, uh, could act with a bit or, or a degree of autonomy as long as they supported the state and they paid their taxes, okay? So at the start of the book of Nehemiah, God is about to uh, sort of instigate another movement back to Jerusalem, if you will. Um, and and this, is a, this is a really, really powerful time, all right? Um, and, and so... Uh, I, I want us to try to pick this up here and look at this man, Nehemiah, all right? Uh, because this movement back into the promised land is a, is a great lesson for you and I. This book falls into several different divisions, if you will. Um, and the first six chapters cover the rebuilding of the wall. Uh, chapters 7 through 10 goes on and, and moves into renewing Jerusalem's worship, which we want to talk about down, down the way here a little bit. Um, and finally, the, the, the last chapters are, are about the people being repopulated and revival uh, coming in. Okay, So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to begin exactly where we need to begin in something like this, and that's with an emphasis on prayer. And I know, I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, you're going, well, Pastor Bill... Didn't you just talk about prayer a little while ago? And, and haven't you talked about prayer like many, many times? Yes, that is true. I have. Uh, and, and, and I will keep doing that, all right? Because I, I believe that, that we need to do that. All right, that is absolutely essential, all right? I think that prayer is, is an overriding theme of this book and of Scripture, all right? I think it's the secret to Nehemiah's success. Um, the, the, the prayer in chapter 1 um, is only one of 12 different prayers in the book of Nehemiah. So as you read through and study, you're going to come across 12 different prayers record, recorded in the book, all right? Um, it begins with, with prayer for Persia in chapter 1. It closes with prayer for Jerusalem at the end of the book. There's prayers about adoration. There's prayers about thanksgiving. There's prayers about confession. There's prayers about petition. There's prayers about commitment. Um, there's, there's stories in here that, that are threaded with prayer that, are, that, that have themes of compassion, of, of persistence, of uh, corporate prayer, individual prayer. Um, prayer gives Nehemiah, I think, his perspective, all right? It, it sort of widens this man. It, it sort of moves him out and helps him to see a bigger picture. It sharpens his vision um, and the amazing thing is through all the work that God calls him to do, it diminishes his anxieties dramatically. Now, here's what I know and understand, folks. In this season of life, church, God has placed us in this neighborhood. I thought about this neighborhood this morning quite a bit. 
I can tell you that we cannot do anything in this neighborhood until we first talk to God. And before you talk to anyone in this neighborhood or anywhere else on the face of the earth, India, Brazil, or wherever else we're going, before you talk to anyone there in those places about God, you better have talked to God here about them and their places. And as I sat in my office early this morning, I came in about 5 a.m. this morning and sat down in my office, and immediately after sitting in the chair, locking the door behind me, not wanting surprises here this early morning, I heard sirens. I heard sirens going off in the neighborhood. And I understand that that this neighborhood has a great deal of crime. It has a great deal of drug trafficking. It has a great deal of illegal prostitution, even sex trafficking uh, that we don't even understand. Uh, Some of you have not heard even talked about because of the nature of it. I understand that this is in our neighborhood. Well, see, here's the thing. This neighborhood is a part of this city. You can't, you can't put parameters like the police department does. No offense to you officers who take care of our neighborhood. Um, you can't put parameters like the police department does and, and, and isolate a particular area or a particular neighborhood or a particular block or a particular store or a particular individual. We are, we are a city. This neighborhood is a part of this city. And God loves cities because they're filled with people. He doesn't love them because rivers run through them. He doesn't love them because of their park and rec system. He doesn't love them because they're kind to senior citizens. He doesn't love them because they have the best health care centers in the upper Midwest or something like that. He loves them because lost people live in them. And I'm convinced that if Jesus came walking into Sioux Falls, he would not skirt this neighborhood. And so I think it's important, since we have been placed here for this season of our lives as Life Church, that we begin to inquire of the Lord, what is it he would have us to do since we are here? And I want to challenge you and I that we look at it that way, that God has called us here for a time We don't know if that will be forever or if that will be for a season or what that will look like, but we know that we are here. We are here. And so I want you and I to learn something from Nehemiah. And that is uh, a number of things, actually. But most important, and that is that nothing can be done without prayer. And that is the beginning place. I am daunted by the condition of our nation. I'm daunted by the condition of our city. I'm daunted by the condition of our school systems, our our, our systems of education. They seem so overwhelming to me. But here's what I know. Prayer will make a difference. Prayer is the place to start. Prayer is where the change agent begins. 
All right. And you, and, you, you can go out there and talk to your friends in the world and you can talk strategies and you can come up with solutions and you can figure out opportunities. But if those have not been bathed in prayer, they are just worldly ideas and worldly dreams and worldly concoctions. And I'll tell you what, worldly stuff will not break what is holding people in bondage. It takes the power of God. And so we need to be a people who is seeking after God for His direction and His guidance. That that His strategies are what we're going to implement as we go forward. So let's talk for just a minute. Because because Nehemiah's life, Nehemiah's public life was the outflow of his personal life. And, and, and that was a life that was steeped in and shaped by a lifestyle of prayer. Not religion. Prayer. Alright? So, his dependence was on God for everything. And his desire was to give God glory in everything. And, and he found expression to do that, an opportunity to do that. But he knew that, that only the ventures that were began in prayer and bathed in prayer throughout were likely to succeed. And so he began to inquire. He began to ask questions, as you heard Andrew read about. He asked of his brothers, can you tell me about Jerusalem? Can you tell me what's going on there? He, he questioned in the sense that, that obviously there was some type of problem. Obviously he had heard something. All right. And so he knew that there was some type of problem. And so he is inquiring. He is asking, can you tell me what is, what is happening in Jerusalem? What is going on there? And obviously they gave him a report that was devastating to Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is a, is, a, is a wonderful man. And some would say he had quite a cush life, even though a bit dangerous life. He was the cupbearer to the king. So he had intimate access to royalty. He had political standing, if you will. Um, he had a place to live in the palace. Uh, so it, 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 it seemed that everything he needed was provided for him. Um, and he was, he was, you know, most people would say, don't rock that boat. Just enjoy that. Look what God has done for you. Look what God has given you. Look what, look, what, look what God can do. And I think many of us do the same kind of thing, folks. We reach a point where we have a good house to live in and it's warm and we've got good cars to drive. And, and many of us, we, we have first world problems, not third world problems. We're wondering which car we're going to drive to church this morning, not would we have an, a way to get to church uh, stuff like that. Uh, what, which breakfast would you like or where would you like to stop and get a fast breakfast on the way to church because there's choices? You know? Th- these are the kind of things that, that, that we have. And, 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 and yet Nehemiah, though Cush, in his circumstances and situation, when he questioned these men about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile who were, were in Jerusalem and about Jerusalem itself, um, and they gave him this report because he had sought them out. He wanted this firsthand report. You've got to understand that he immediately went to God. Almost immediately he went to God. Now, he, he, the, and this is, this is the starting point. That's what's so important here. The starting point with God is prayer. 
And, and here's what I want you to understand. It is so easy for us to stay uninvolved and unaware. Most of you do not live in this neighborhood. You drive into this neighborhood for church on Sunday morning. And it's very easy. Some of you drive from quite a distance. And I appreciate that commitment to drive in from other places outside of Sioux Falls even. But here's what I want you to understand. We have to be more than just those who come in on Sunday morning and then drive away and sort of be done with things here. But here's the thing. Let's take it a step further. How many of you live in your neighborhood, but you don't really know your neighbors? You don't have any relationship with your neighbors. You don't associate with them. You don't talk to them. They don't see the life you're living for Jesus because they don't see you living it. It's so easy for us to disconnect. I went down the street last night just looking, and and about 90% of the homes on my street have fenced-in yards. They don't call them barricades. They don't call them protection fences. They call them privacy fences. Because we want our privacy. We don't want to share ourselves with other people. We don't want to engage with other people. This is going to be a hard 21 days for us, folks. Because I think God's going to get down to the nitty-gritty of some of our hearts and how we live and how we live our lifestyle. But it's really important to understand that, that some of us don't even want to think about stuff that's going on in our own lives, much less take the time to investigate what is happening in the lives of others. And Nehemiah is going, hey, I want to know about my brothers. I want to know their condition. I want to know what's going on there. I, I need to understand what's happening. Not because he was nosy, but because he felt a sense of responsibility and he felt the connection to his brothers. He had heard stories about these people. He had heard stories about Jerusalem. He knew that that his ancestors were led away in chains and they were sent to Babylon and that Babylon destroyed the city. He was was doing what what, uh, Jeremiah in in, in Jeremiah 51.50 instructed the exiles to do. Remember the Lord in a distant land and think on Jerusalem. And as he thought on Jerusalem, he listened to the report in verse 3, chapter 1, that the survivors are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem are in shambles. The gates have been burned with fire. Folks, any enemy could come in and just take the people and devastate them again and again and again. He's trying to imagine the shame that the Israelites are carrying in the city of David, the great king. And he could barely stand it. The phrase great trouble meant that the people had been broken down and they were falling in in, in pieces, if you will. And their lives were at least. There are three words that summarize this. Remnant, ruin, and reproach. Remnant, ruin, and reproach. Pastor Bill, what are you trying to say to us? How many of you are thinking about this city How many of us are thinking about this nation? How many of us even care that someone is lost and dying and going to hell? How many of us care about what our children are being taught? How many of us care that there are people in this city who are homeless? 
How many of us care that some in our extended families even are lost? Are we just going to church and saying it's nice, it's pleasant, it feels good, it made me feel good, you made me feel good? Not for these 21 days, guys. This is all God's work. And I want to challenge you that you and I do not enable each other or excuse each other or dismiss each other. But we let God be God and we let God do what God needs to do and we respond and cooperate with the work of God in our own hearts. Nehemiah says, I need to know. Why? Because he felt a sense of responsibility. To whom much has been given, much is required. You've been given eternal life. You've been given lives in one of the most affluent cities in America. One of the best places in this country to live is right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The upper Midwest is a shielded area. I realize that you can walk right out this door and find sin. I can take you to it. I can lead you to it right outside this door here because I know this neighborhood well. I can take you to places that would shock you as some of God's good people. But let me tell you something. You need to understand that our God loves this city like every other city simply because there are people in this city. Most of them are are lost people. A lot of them go to church, but they're lost. And the intent of God's heart is to redeem, to redeem. And we cannot come in here and, and, and you cannot allow me to comfort you. You cannot allow me to do that. You can't allow me to just preach you a sweet little sermon, quote you a poem and pray for you and send you on your merry little way. You can't let me do that. Don't let me do that. And when you come in my office and you're afflicted by God and afflicted by the Spirit and you can't rest and you can't sleep because you know someone's undone out there and you don't know what to do about it, Don't let me dismiss that. Don't let me uh, smooth that over. Don't let me comfort you to the point that you don't do what God has called you to do. Don't let me be that kind of a pastor. Don't let me yield to the applause of men or the praise of men. Don't, Don't let me be comforted by your good pleasure in me. Call me out if that's what I'm doing. Same with Pastor Dave. Just call us out. Nehemiah was broken over Jerusalem. Not only the condition of it, but the complacency of the people. They were living in ruin and they were accepting it. There are a lot of people in America who are living their lives in ruin and they're accepting it. They're saying this is just the way it is or this is the way life is or this is what I want. This is what seems to be okay. This is what everybody else is doing. This is the way it is for everyone. No, it doesn't have to be that way. There is a standard that is different and that is God's standard. Some of us get complacent about the way our own lives are going. We're living in rubble. We're living in a a place of destruction and devastation. And we don't care anymore. It doesn't bother us anymore. We've been there so long it seems normal or it seems natural. I want to ask you a question today. Are you ready to allow God to do some rebuilding in your life? 
Someone came to me last week and they said, Pastor Bill, I want to know something because this is already bothering me. We haven't even started this yet. You've only announced it and, and it's already bothering me. And God's already dealing with me, with my own heart. Do you think God's going to do that with all of us? I'm like, I hope so. And I hope I'm at the, at the top of that list. I don't want to stay the, the same. I don't, I don't want to not change. I don't, I don't want to be complacent and satisfied in this earth, in this world. I don't want to hold on too tight. I want to loosen my grip to the things of this life. And I want to be able to help others and reach out and make a difference and be a part of God's restoration and rebuilding. We, you, I, we need to become concerned about the problems around us. And we need to be able to listen to what's out there, even if you don't want to hear it. It's the most amazing thing. I've started to talk to several people about the condition of our, our community, not just our neighborhood, our community, our, our city government, our educational system, whatever. And people will literally say to me, oh, I don't want to hear about that right now. I don't want to hear about that right now. Well, when do you want to hear about it? When our children are destroyed? When our government is so messed up it can't function with integrity? When do we want to hear? When will we hear? Nehemiah says, tell me. You and I need to be people who are understanding what God is showing us. When he heard this report, he hit the ground. He began to weep in verse 4. Uh, he, one, one translation says, he bemoaned and he lamented. I'm never going to get through all of this. Gonna, I'm going to have to wrap this up today and continue on next week. All right. But let me get you just a little bit further down here. Okay. He was devastated. He had painful tears. He observed the, the, the hearts of, of the people in Jerusalem. And what did he do? He cried out to God. And the Bible says he fasted. He began to pray and he began to fast. Now, now in his day, in this time, fasting was not required as regular as it was in other times, all right? Um, but we hear and see Nehemiah refraining from food for several days. In fact, we, we, we know from comparing the, the different, the theologians have compared the different dates in this book that he wept and fasted and prayed all total four months of time. Four months of time he was going through this agony and this ordeal of seeking after God and trying to, 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 to figure out what he was called to do. I'm asking you for 21 days and just give up something and just pray and seek God. Because see, our defenses are broken down, spiritually speaking. There are practices and sins that are controlling the lives of Christians. But you can ask God to rebuild. But before you ask God to rebuild, you've got to be concerned that there's a problem. You've got to be able to say there's something wrong. I, I, I'm off. I, I, I'm not where I was. How many of you have felt that way in this last year? At least as you're getting to the end of the year, it's like, you know what? I'm not where I used to be or I'm not where I need to be or I just, I feel this angst. I feel something is out of kilter. It's out of sync. And I know I got to do something, but I don't know what to do. Well, there's a starting place. Inquire of the Lord. 
Speak to God. And let God begin to speak back to you. Nehemiah called him Lord. Let's get away from all these like warm, fuzzy names for God. And let's come back and call him Sovereign God, Lord. Let's give him that rightful place of authority in our lives. Because that will require us to act and behave as though he is. My little grandson is four years old. I love him immensely. I'm his papa. Some of you have seen him run around here. He loves papa more than anybody else in the world. Ask his dad. His dad will tell you the same thing. He'll go to his dad or his mom and he'll say, I need a treat. And his dad, in his sort of marine demeanor, will say, No, son. No treats. You need to eat some food, food. Meaning healthy food. And he'll say, no, I don't want to do that. Yep, that's the way it's going to be. You've got to eat some food. You eat some food, you can have a treat. It's a payoff. It's a reward. No, I don't want to do that. I don't like these words. I don't want to hear you talk anymore. Oh, well, I'm sorry, that's what I have to say. If you don't want to hear that, then we don't have anything else to say. You'll need to go play now. No, I'm going to go talk to Papa. See, that's how we are with God. Come on, God, give me what I want. God, I don't want you to say those words. I don't don't want to hear that talk. But here's what I want. That's not the way it works. As we study Nehemiah, we're going to see this. Because a lot of times, where God puts concern into our hearts, this is why we don't like to hear God talk to us about this kind of stuff. Where God puts concern into our hearts, He provides the means, the solutions that are necessary to bring restoration. But then he looks at us and says, who will I send? And he's waiting for an Isaiah moment where we realize our sinfulness. Cry out to God. He touches us from the coals of the altar. Sanctifies us through and through. And we look at him and we have no other word than here I am. Send me. And that's what he's looking for. He is going to send life church here a little further out, a ways out, and globally. These women are going to India pretty soon. India right now is in turmoil. It's tumultuous. The Hindus and the Buddhists as well, they, they are, are uh, antagonistic, uh, in particular to Christians. There's a whole lot of crazy stuff going on. They're going into the north of India. It's not an easy place. It's one of the darkest places in all of India. I'm like, come on, you're single ladies in this church. I pastor you. Go south. No, they're going up, up in the edge of the, of the, of the Himalayas. They're going up there where it's really dark and where women are, are, are just property, if you will. 
to love on children and encourage missionaries. God is going to send us all kinds of places to do all kinds of things, but they are hard things because He's going to take us into places where the walls have been destroyed, the gates have been burned, the cities are in ruin, spiritually speaking. And you don't have to go overseas to get that. So this is where we're going, folks. And this is my challenge to you. i got to stop. But this is my challenge to you and I, is that we begin by understanding that he's saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. But get this, I'm with you, and I'll be there till the end of the age. And this is the vision of Life Church, to go and make disciples in our neighborhood, yep, and beyond. And so we do it by faith in God. But God has to put that vision in us. Now we begin to seek Him. We begin to inquire, God, what is it you want Life Church to do? And then we do it. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Let me say one more thing to you. And then I want to pray for you. I want members of the prayer team to please come up front. You may be a person who's sitting here today and the thinking in your mind is, I've never engaged God. I don't know what it means to be in relationship. I don't understand words like commitment to God. That's not something I've done. Maybe you're one of those people whose world is very fenced in and very private. Maybe you've never let anybody in. But today you understand that there are aspects of your life that are in ruin. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is your answer. He allowed His own life to be ruined, destroyed, crucified so that your life could be restored, set free, and brought back to a new birth. That's the message of hope. That's the, that's the rescue, if you will. If you've never known this Jesus, you can know him today. One of these people will pray with you. And they will, they will help you to find this relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're one of those Christians who's saying, Oh, I'm down there. I'm like the children of Israel in Jerusalem and I'm being hit by the enemy constantly and I have no protection. Come and let someone pray with you. Restore that relationship. Renew it with the Lord Jesus Christ today. If you need prayer, come and pray. All right? I'm going to pray for you right now. Those who need to leave can leave after that. Please leave quietly. Uh, God bless you. It is time to seek the Lord. Let's hear what God has for Life Church. Journal everything God speaks to you, all right? Let me pray for you. Father, we are before you, and you are here. You spoke the world into existence, you spoke to a nation and called them out. You spoke to prophets and kings and gave them the ability to lead a nation. 
You spoke to darkness and evil through your son's death and resurrection power. You spoke to people by way of the apostles. You've spoken through pastors and teachers. You've spoken through brothers and sisters, elders and lay ministers. You've spoken loud. You've spoken quietly and softly. But you speak. Would you give us ears to hear? Would you open the eyes of our hearts to see that we may begin to know and understand your very perfect and pleasing will? God, would you bless those here today who have not yet known you and let them hear you call them by name. In the Spirit, would you draw them to you today? Save them. God, those who have been broken down in this life through attacks of the enemy, would you speak to them today and call them as well to come and be restored and rebuilt in you? Would you speak hope to all of us in faith that we may hear you and that we may arise and obey and rebuild in any way you call us to. Be glorified in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great new year. Be careful. Behave yourselves, Life Church. All right? Love you.